The following sermon is by Andy Lake, the senior pastor of Liberty Bible Church. This program, Grow in Liberty, is the preaching ministry of Liberty Bible Church in Vienna, Ohio. Liberty Bible Church places a priority on the Word of God over all else and has a desire to share truth with believers and non-believers alike. Our prayer is that as people tune in, they would come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Join us as we grow together through the Word of God. Some of you that have been with us for a while have already started to turn to the book of Hebrews, and you're like, wait a minute, that's not Hebrews. No, we're going to be in Jeremiah. We've we had our vision Sunday scheduled a couple weeks back, and because of the amount of people we had that were ill, and that just seemed to be um, mounting, the list just kept growing, and uh, myself, my family, most of the deacons, everybody was sick, and so we thought it might be better, uh, better suited to just hold off. So today we're going to look at our vision for 2022. Now, oftentimes, we kind of wonder about what a church is supposed to look like. And there's a lot today trying to tell us what a church is supposed to look like, and a lot of demonstrations of what a church is supposed to be and supposed to look like. And I want to go back to the book of Jeremiah in chapter number 31 to give us a little bit of information about this, and hopefully we'll be able to get our vision and our direction for 2022 based on what we see here. Look with me, if you would, starting in verse 31 of Jeremiah chapter number 31. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they break. Although I was an husband unto them, saith the Lord. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts and write it on their hearts and will be their God and they shall be my people." And they shall teach no more every man his neighbor, and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me. From the least of them unto the greatest of them, saith the Lord. And I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. Father, we come before you with open hearts. God, as we anticipate great and wonderful things done for the cause of Christ in 2022, we know, Lord, that if we do not make plans and preparation, we will just continue to go on as we have. And Father, I don't want to be the same preacher in 2022 that I was in 2021. Father, I don't want to be the same husband, the same father. I want to be more like your son. And so, Father, as I enter into this new year, I do so with a renewed uh, hope that you can use this weak vessel 
So, Father, my prayer for this church is the same, that we would grow more and more into the image of Christ as one body. We pray these things in Your Son's name because He and He alone deserves this type of attention, deserves this type of effort, because He is wonderful, glorious. And so, Father, thank You for being the giver of such a good gift. And that's Jesus Christ. It's in His name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. As I said, there are a lot of ideas today about what a church is or what it's supposed to look like. A lot of people have preconceived notions, perhaps because of what they grew up in as far as their church. And this is the way I understand church, and this is the way I see it, and this is what should be going on. Perhaps uh, it's it's just the way in society you see what's taking place in society. You see the churches that are going on. You you turn on the TV for any amount of time, and every church should have a huge globe in the background, right? We This is the kind of ideas that we get into our mind of, of what's supposed to be, what a church is supposed to look like. And I'm, I'm sorry to say, but there's a lot of stuff today parading as churches that are not churches, they're social gatherings. They're not churches, they're the good old boys club. Maybe they, you know, you've, maybe you've never walked into them before, but I've walked in, you know, you, you, you enter in and you think, I'm not supposed to be here, am I? Maybe that's just me that feels that way. And, you know, when you look the way I do and you act the way I do, perhaps it comes a little more naturally. But when I walk into a group and it's like, it was I supposed to pay admission before I came in? Did I not, did I not get my hand stamped? Why are, why, why are you looking at me like this? You know, they have that us for and no more mentality, you know. We're happy just the way we are. Visitors, what's that about? Maybe it's the the style that you're expecting to see. Should we have this type of style? Should we have that type of style? Well, most churches today have a rock band. We should. T- we need to understand what is it that a church is supposed to look like. What is it that the church is supposed to be? And we have a lot of these external things that we associate with the church that really have nothing to do with the church. They're all simply means or maybe uh, philosophies or patterns. And, but what I want to do, if we can, and, and I understand a lot of, uh, uh, a lot of people are looking going, wait a minute, wait a minute, preacher. You're not one of those, uh, replacement theology kind of guys, are you? You're not one of those covenant theologians that believes that the church replaced Israel, are you? No. No. I was cracking up. I had, I've had this message started and prepared for, for over a week now, well over a week now. And, uh, yesterday I was listening to the radio as, as I was heading somewhere. It wasn't yesterday. It was the day before. It doesn't matter. I was listening to the radio and they were talking about this very thing. And the, one of the guys asked a question, said, well, is there evidence? Is there, is there proof? Um, uh, as far as replacement theology. Now, for those of you who maybe don't understand what I'm talking about. Replacement theology is the idea that the, that Israel was God's chosen people and God is done with Israel and now it's the church and the church took the place of Israel. That's, that's, that's replacement theology. And I loved the man's response. He was from Moody. It was on Moody radio and he says, I can't see any evidence for that. I can see twisting of scripture for that, but I can't see evidence for that. So that's not the direction I'm going. 
However, you can't miss the connection and the uh, uh, the way that the Scripture uh, introduces the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. Now, the church did not take the place of Israel. God's timetable for Israel will pick up again. That's a, that's that's seen in Scripture. And the covenant that was being made here was talking about of Israel and Judah. And so there, this is not to say that the, uh, uh, the church is the new Israel. That's not what it's talking about. But what he is talking about is the covenant, not the, not the uh, individuals that are marked in that. And so I understand that uh, many people are kind of wondering, well, how in the world are we pulling the church, what the church is supposed to look like from a book like Jeremiah? Well, in, 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 as is typical in churches, we like to spend a little bit of time at the beginning of the year and at the end of the year planning and preparing our calendar, our budget. We do this. We do this on purpose. The old saying, fail to plan and you're planning to fail. We want to do this on purpose. We believe that the Bible teaches us that everything should be done decently and in order. And we want to, we want to make sure that our church body is, is led decently and in order. But when we do this, we want to, uh, you know, kind of look back at the previous year, look forward at the new year. What events, uh, uh, did we see as quote unquote successful? What, uh, what was missing from uh, the ministry or what have you? And, uh, what we hope to accomplish. Now, this can be an exciting time of the year, uh, where we plan and it can also be a time of fearful angst. And, uh, if, if you've been in ministry or around ministry for very long, you understand what I'm talking about because anytime you remove something from the calendar, you have just touched a sacred cow. Anytime you add something to the calendar, what are you thinking? Right? <clears throat> and so we come at this with a purpose. We come at this with a, with a hope and a desire to do nothing more than bring glory and honor to God. That's our number one priority. That's our goal. Now, the question that all of this raises to me is, how do we get this done? And it's all through the local New Testament church. But here's the problem with that. The local New Testament church is referred to as a body. The ministry of Liberty Bible Church does not rise and fall on Andy Lake. The ministry of Liberty Bible Church rises and falls on the body that is called Liberty Bible Church. Now, I have been brought in as your pastor to help give leadership and guidance. We have five men and their families uh, that are deacons in the church, and they have been brought in and elected by you all to bring leadership and guidance. But whether or not this ministry moves forward, it does not rest solely on those six names. It rests on the body. Now, here's the question that I kind of want to start, and I want everybody really kind of uh, stewing over in their mind. Let's go ahead and rip that Band-Aid off. What is my role in the body of Christ? What is my role? 
Now, it's interesting that we sometimes look at this and we, we think about some, you know, the, the church being the body and we know uh, what the Bible says about there being the, you know, we even sing the songs, you know, the hands and where are his hands, where are his feet and things of that nature. We understand that. But when it get, when it really gets down to brass tacks, we want to make it personal. If the church is the body of Christ, what part are you? Are you the feet helping to get things where they need to be? Are you the hands helping to perhaps pick up that child that needs a hug and a kiss because they're having a rough day? Well, be careful with that because of COVID, we're not allowed to touch people today. Anyway, uh, maybe you're the maybe you're the shoulder that is there for someone to lean on and cry on. Or, or perhaps you're the uh, you're the knees that get down on them every once in a while and just l- reach into the doorway of heaven, knocking on His throne room, saying, "God, our church needs you. Our people need you. This is what's going on." Or perhaps you're the knee. Perhaps, perhaps you're the kidney flushing out the toxins. I don't know, but everybody has a part in the body of Christ. Me, sometimes I feel like the appendix. I asked a, I asked a doctor one time, I said, what in the world is the appendix for? He says, I don't know, something before the fall of man, I guess. <laughs> huh. And so I, th- I just kind of wondered, that, that's kind of that, is everything going to be okay if you take this out of me, doc? Everything will be fine. So it really serves no purpose. Ah, some people think this, some people think that, but ah, for the most part, no. We got an awful lot of appendixes in the church. I guess to say that correctly, appendices, right? So any grammar uh, teachers out there can rest easy. But we we really want to kind of get all of this in mind. Now, let's going back here to Jeremiah, understand how I'm going to try to connect all of this. Look what it says there in verse 31 again. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they break, although I was an husband unto them, saith the Lord. We we need to stop for just a minute and understand what Israel was. Because when we understand what Israel was, we will understand a little bit more about what Israel did. First off, it's important to notice that not all who left Egypt were actually believers. Just, Just being part of the Jewish people did not make them automatically believers. Not everybody that left were true believers in God. Not all Hebrews were followers of God. Get that. You could be a Hebrew in the Old Testament days and not actually follow the one true God. Think about what uh, what came in as a result of all the different people uh, entering into Israel and the, they brought in their different gods and their different worship practices and everything. And next thing you know, you've got people uh, uh, sacrificing to different gods and sacrificing to different statues. And, and so understand, not everybody who called themselves a Hebrew or a Jew actually served the one true God. Not everybody who followed Moses out of the land of Egypt was actually a true born-again believer. They weren't. 
I think sometimes we wrap into our minds that just because they were this or because they were part of this people group or because they were they went to this temple or they went to this, that made them automatically a child of God. That made them automatically a believer. It did not. And can I say to you, with all love, with all candor, not everyone who occupies a seat in a church today is a born-again child of God. Now, I don't say that with arrogance, please don't misunderstand me. I don't say that with a ha-ha type of mentality. I say that broken and concerned. I say that with a heart that desires to see them come to know the, the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. Because just making, just being in a church somewhere, just being part of something does not get you to God. You know, the old adage, you know, if I go to the gym every single day, hang on, if I go to the gym every, okay, that doesn't make me a bodybuilder, does it? <laughs> Thanks, Katie. You need to teach her to just watch it. But it, it, if I go and I, I could sit there, I could be on, uh, you know, on all the different machines and taking note of everything that the, that the trainers are teaching everybody. I can listen. I can study. I can know, okay, they're working this deltoid muscle with this. They're working this trapezoid muscle with this. They're working out the muscles in their earlobes doing that, you know. I, I can watch that kind of stuff, but it doesn't make me a bodybuilder. Any more than sitting in church, taking copious notes, and making sure that you know everything the pastor said makes you a child of God. It doesn't. So understanding these people, you see where verse 31 and 32, it says, Behold, the days come that I say the Lord, where I will make a new covenant. First, I want you to note something in this, with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. This is Jeremiah's day. This is post-split. Israel and Judah had split. And God says, the new covenant's coming, which will be a uniting covenant. No more separate. No more split. No more segregation. None of this stuff that you all seem to think is so wonderful. No more is it going to happen. The, the, the southern kingdom, the northern kingdom, they're coming back together on this one covenant. There are so many times where people put so much emphasis on what kind of church they go to, what label they espouse. I had somebody ask me, so is your church uh, Calvinist or Armenian? I said, no. You got to be one. No, we're biblicists. Watch them just get confused. If you're not, how do you? Well, we don't follow Calvin, nor do we follow Armenians. (laughs) We follow Jesus. Now, with that, understanding of being brought together. This is not according, this new covenant is not going to be according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand. Children, 
children. You're walking through the uh, uh, walking through the parking lot, and you've got your children with you. What do you do? You take them by the hand and you lead them. Boy, that's comforting, isn't it? He didn't just say, "Okay, leave Egypt." He took them by the hand and led them out. This is the kind of God that we serve. But what did they do? Not only does does he refer to himself as their father, he refers to himself as their husband. He loved them. He protected them. He gave them headship. What is a head? You know, we talk about husbands love your wives and, and, and uh, the husband being the head of the relationship. And Well, does that mean he's more important? No. But if you're walking down a scary road and there's a dark alley coming up, and before you go through, that head's looking around the corner, right? In other words, husbands, when you get to that, cor- that corner, don't go, hey, go see what it's like. All right? Get your sorry hind in in front and take a look. It's okay. Hey, hey. Thought I was going to have to throw down for a minute. You're all right. That's what we do, right? We and our chest, chest puffs up. It's okay, baby. I got you. I got you. We're in Vienna. We don't have those problems. Now, God led his wife, his bride, out of the land of Egypt. I got it. And he gave headship. But what did the people of Israel do? Basically, God's covenant was this. You follow me, everything's going to be fine. You don't, everything's going to fall apart. And here's this loving husband taking the initiative to make sure everything is fine. They get to the Red Sea. He's like, I already checked all that out. Don't worry about it. They get to Jordan. I already checked all that out. Don't worry. They're in the desert wandering out. And we're thirsty. I already checked that out. Got it taken care of. We're hungry. I got it covered. They gave up on him. Not according to the covenant that I made with the fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they break. Although I was an husband unto them, saith the Lord. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts and will be their God and they shall be my people. Mm. Get ready for this. Most of what was going on in Egypt, it, you just look at it. These, these were not adoring people who just absolutely loved following the Lord. Why do you think, have you read Leviticus? Have you read Deuteronomy? There's an awful lot in there. Why? Because they were rebellious, stiff-necked people who had to be put down and controlled. They would not listen. And Moses spent more time trying to prod them. Let's do the right thing. Trying to correct them. Don't do it that way. Trying to get them under control than he did anything else. And they spent 40 years wandering around like a bunch of ding-dongs in the desert because they could not listen. Most of these people had to be controlled. 
And so because of that, as we've examined Israel, we note something that they caused. Their actions always bring about consequences. They did not continue in His covenant. And so God actually rejected them. Look with me in Hebrews now. Let's connect some of these dots. Hebrews chapter number 8. You can keep your hand in Jeremiah in case we get, you know, go back and forth. Or better yet, stick an offering envelope in there, and then after church you can... I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Give me a hard time. It's a joke. Not really. Look at Hebrews chapter 8. <clears throat> Look at verse 7. For if the first covenant had been faultless, then should no place have been sought for the second. For finding fault with them, he saith, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, because they continued not in my covenant, and I regarded them not, saith the Lord. You can actually go into Isaiah chapter 29, verse 13, and understand a little bit more what he's talking about there and how the connection's made. But the writer of Hebrews starts to equate that covenant, that prophecy of the covenant, with what's going on as far as Christ's payment and his priesthood. It says, For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord, I will put my laws into their mind. And write them in their hearts, and I will be to them a God, and they shall be to me a people. This is the covenant that he will make with the house of Israel, he says. God had to put them at distance. But he could have, if you and I were God, we wouldn't have put him at, put him at distance and then said, we'll pick us up later. Or, uh, you know what, we're going to do, we would have just gone, done. You think I'm crazy? How many people have you known in your life that you've gone, done? I, I, I don't want to have anything to do with them anymore the way they are. I'm, mm -mm, mm -mm, I'm done. Wipe my hands up. Let's put one of us in God's throne for just a minute. We would have wiped our hands long ago with the people of Israel. He does great and mighty things for them, delivers them, then they turn their back, then they rebel, and then he has to correct them. They turn, they get it back on their knees, oh, Lord, help us, and then they go about right back through the whole thing again. I want you to see something with this, though. When God gets ready to wash his hand, he continues, and he says, no, he says, there's coming a day where the new covenant will be instituted, and that covenant is through Jesus. And so comparing the two here, understand that not everyone who occupies that seat, I just gave that to you here, understand this, not everyone who occupies that seat in a church is actually part of the body of Christ. Just like not everyone who called themselves a Hebrew was a true follower of God. But let's look at the comparison with this here. Israel just witnessed the plagues. They said that they would follow. They went through king after king. David had, slid, uh, had slew Goliath. Um, how do you say that in the past tense? Had slewn? S just slew, I guess. Anyway. 
<clears throat> they went through all these things. They saw these great and mighty events took, to take place. And, and, and here they are still turning their back on God. A lot of the Israelites, even though they witnessed, think, take it back, take it back to, uh, to Egypt. Remember I told you not all of them were saved. Some of them had just seen all the plagues. I ain't staying around here. Are you following God? I guess that's the other option. I, I, it's tough over here. Things are bad. But these people, I, I'm going to go with them because uh, something may be right. That doesn't mean that they were following the Lord. They were just going after greener pastures. And there's a lot of people in churches today who aren't really following the Lord. They're just trying to stay out of trouble. They look at it as some sort of point system. As long as I'm in church a certain amount of time, God will, he'll bless me more. If, if I'm in church a certain amount of time, God won't spank me as much. They're not actually after Christ. They're just after the effects that God can give or maybe the protection. The Bible tells us this in Romans. It says there's none that seeketh after God. They're not looking for God. They're just looking for the benefits that come with God. There's a lot of people in churches today that way. Not only that, but God, <coughs> excuse me, God can see not only what we do, but he sees the heart intent. So realize something. Those who are only hoping for the material blessings of health, happiness, and success, remember, God rejected the people of Israel. Well, he wouldn't do that to me. Don't forget the Matthew chapter 7, actually verse number 6 says, many will say to me that day, Lord, Lord. And what's he going to say? I never knew you. But didn't we cast out demons in your name? Didn't we in your name do many wonderful works? This is not just Joe Pewarmer. These are preachers and teachers. These are deacons. Pray for them. We did great things. He says, I never knew you. There are people occupying positions in churches that don't even know God as their Lord and Savior. They don't have any relationship with Jesus. Now, with that in mind, how do we at Liberty Bible Church make sure that we know the direction we're going? Well, it's with this new covenant. And you see it here in he Hebrews chapter 8, all the way down through verse 12. I want you to notice that these people, verse 10, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their mind and will write them in their hearts and I will be to them a God and they shall be to me a people. In other words, these people are changed people. They're not the same. They're different. Their desires have changed. Their will. It's one thing for me to say, my will is his will. It's another thing for me to say, my desire has changed. Look with me, if you would, at 1 John chapter 5. And let me show you what I mean by this 
desire changing. First John chapter 5. And I'll say it this way, and those of you taking notes, here's one more for you to write down. True believers find joy in God's desires for them. They're not a drudgery, but a joy to a changed individual. Let me read it for you one more time. True believers find joy in God's desires for them. For they are not a drudgery, but a joy to a changed person. Here's how we know this. 1 John chapter number 5, verse number 1 says, Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone that loveth him that begat loveth him also that is begotten of him. By this we know that we are the children of God, when we love God and what? Keep his... couple mumblers out there, but that's okay. Thank you. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. Here's what we all, all we, we hear it all the time. It's, it's, oh, I'm not allowed to do that. I'm a Christian. Oh, I'm not allowed to go there anymore. I'm a Christian. Woe is me. I am undone. All the fun has been sucked out of my life because I've chosen to be a Christian. The commands of God are not grievous. You mean I'm supposed to go love my enemy? No! The commands of God are not grievous. I'm supposed to forgive them? No! The commands of God are not grievous. I'm supposed to respect him? No! The commands of God are not grievous. I'm supposed to love her? No! The commands of God are not grievous. Let's keep reading in this. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. You see, true believers are changed people. It doesn't bother them. They, they want to know God, not just mentally, but they desire knowing Him as well. And they don't mind giving up something. They don't mind altering their schedule. They don't mind changing their life. They don't mind these things. Why? Because they have been changed on the inside and the Holy Spirit of God is, is witnessing to them going, hey, just get you closer to the Lord, right? I worked third shift for years. I've had people tell me, oh, you don't understand what it's like to work third shift and work all night long and then try to make it to church. Yeah, I do. I thank God for that third shift. I didn't have to miss a service. Last I checked, the church schedule wasn't at 3 o'clock in the morning. I loved it. If the vacation Bible school was during the daytime, guess what? I could be there. Revival in the evenings, guess what? There, preacher. Because I worked at night. I could change my sleep schedule. I could alter it. Oh, preacher, you, well, that, that's easy for you. It's not so easy for me. And so it would just be too difficult. It would be, it'd be pretty grievous for me. 
the commands of God. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves as the manner of some is. Did I say that out loud? Yeah. Are not grievous. Second, these people are a consecrated people. Understand this. If you are in a church um, that lacks something that you think it should have, you're ready for this. Don't leave to find it somewhere else. We are His people, not the other way around. And perhaps God exposed that need to you to implement it there. Well, you know what would be great at this church, Pastor? That sentence typically means, you know what you need to do, Pastor? No. We are a consecrated people, and we understand that He is our God, not our hobby. He's not, uh, he's, uh, he's not our uh, pastime. He's not part of our life. He is our God, and we are His people. It doesn't work. We are not his God. But when my hobbies, my job, my friends, my social life, when that becomes more important, guess who's my God? But the new covenant says, and I will be to them a God, and they will be to me a people. You see, we are his people, not the other way around, but last, we live confident, knowing knowing that we are forgiven. Look with me, if you would, there, chapter 8 again, Hebrews chapter 8. In verse number 12, I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and iniquities. (laughs) Get your hanky ready. Will I remember no more? (laughs) that ought to make some Baptist turn Pentecostal right there and just jump up and swing something. Remember, no more. God does not. (laughs) Hey, you remember doing this? That's not God. So we're confident. We live confident in this. No longer needing to be taught the way to know God because he himself shall be in us teaching us. This is what John chapter 16 is talking about. The Holy Spirit coming, dwelling in you, reminding you, teaching you, showing you. You don't have to say, well, I don't know God. I don't know how to know God. If you are indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God, he is there. Always. What a wonderful thing that is. Realization sets in about the mercy of God. (laughs) I'm forgiven, and I live that way. I don't go to church to punch my time card anymore. (laughs) I go to church because it's an opportunity to raise my hand in praise and worship to the one who forgave me. If it's about punching a time card... (laughs) You may not know my Jesus. (laughs) I get an opportunity to show up and praise. 
learn more about him. Now, well, Pastor Andy, that's great, but you started us off with this question of what my role in the body of Christ is all about, and I, I, I'm still waiting, still waiting. Go back with me, if you would, to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter number 11. I'm sorry, chapter 12. <clears throat> First Corinthians chapter 12. Now, you know me, I like pictures. Pick up a book and it doesn't have pictures in it. It's boring, isn't it? So here's a picture for you. <clears throat> We're going to have some fun. The Bible talks about the church as being a body, right? Look at uh, verse number 1 of chapter 12. It says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. Now, he starts to talk <coughs> about spiritual gifts. He starts to go into great detail about these spiritual gifts. A lot of people say, well, I need to take a spiritual gifts test so that I know what my spiritual gifts are so then I can employ them. Let me help you with it. Save your time on the spiritual gifts test for a minute. Because if you take a test and it says this is your gift, then that's the area that you're going to focus on. You're going to go, well, I guess I need to, it says my gift is uh, hospitality, so I need to cook. I can't cook. All right? Here's how you find your spiritual giftedness. Serve the Lord. And as I get into the kitchen and find out they shouldn't have me in the kitchen, and then I get on the greeting team, and it's like, well, people run away when I shake their hand. And then I get into the children's class, and I go, whoops, messed up there. I really don't like these kids. And then I get into the, and what happens is over time of getting involved, well, guess that wasn't it, well, guess that wasn't it, well, guess that wasn't it. And then I go, well, you know, I'm able to look back and see what I did that I really enjoyed, I excelled at, and I glorified God in the most. And I go, well, maybe that's where my gift is. I'm not too good in the kitchen, but boy, howdy, I can swing a hammer. So the Bible talks about church being this body. Look with me down in verse number 12. For as the body is one, <laughs> hath many members, and all the members of the one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit, we are all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, bond or free, have been uh, all made to drink into one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I am not of the eye, I am not of the body, I am not the eye, I am not the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole body were hearing... Where were the smelling? But now hath God set the members, every one of them in the body, as it hath pleased him. And if, they're all, if they were all one member, where was the body? But now are they many members, yet but one body? And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more these members of the body, which seem to be more feeble, are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor, and our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness, for our comely parts have no need. 
But God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to the part which lacked, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. Now, let's put this in picture form for a minute. The Bible talks about the church being the body. Not everyone is a teacher, and we know not everyone's a singer. We understand that. Anybody ever watch the American Idol? Uh, you know, yeah, that's some fun. I really don't care about American Idol, but the people, you know, trying to get on American Idol. Now that that's fun to watch. You know, ain't nobody loved you in your life tell you don't do that. You're going to embarrass yourself in front of all of humanity. Not everyone's a planner. My wife's a planner. I fly by the seat of my pants. Not everyone's a greeter. Some people know how to smile and make you feel welcome. Other people don't. And if you're not sure, it's probably you that don't. In many churches today, though, here's the body that you see. Okay? The body's doing fine, but unknowingly, it only has one hand. It doesn't realize that it's only got one hand. It's going along, and it's looking down, and it sees that hand. I've, I've got a hand, but it doesn't realize that the other hand's gone. But after time, the other problem of, uh, uh, presents itself, that the one hand it does have is actually missing an arm. Starting to get a little bit of a picture here. After time, there are ministries, areas of ministries that go neglected because of this, because the one hand doesn't have an arm to help it get to the place where it needs to serve. The other arm is moving around with no hand to grab hold of stuff. And because of this, it upsets the foot because the foot has got a lot of work going on. It's doing as much as it can. It's been taking the body places, but the hands aren't actually doing anything. So the feet get the body where it needs to go, but the hands aren't doing anything. So they feel run down. And so finally, the foot decides, I'm going to distance myself from ministry. Now, because of this, that foot moving out of the way, the knee on the other leg decides, well, that's just not right. And it gets mad at the foot because they think that the foot's being selfish, so they make themselves distance from the foot. God bless this little body. It's about to go tipping, right? So, so... (coughs) The other parts of the body, have one of the other parts of the body noticed that the knee is out of whack, Maybe it was the hip. You ever hurt your knee and then you start limping? And guess what? Your hip starts to hurt and you're like, ah, what's going on? And so the hip goes to the knee and says, why have you quit? Why are you so distant? And the knee's gone, well, he didn't notice the foot. And so he decides to distance himself even further. It's a good picture of a body, isn't it? It's kind of dysfunctional if you ask me. So they begin to challenge the leadership. All these other body parts start to notice this and starts to challenge the leadership by ignoring the decisions made, not supporting the efforts, and rendering the body motionless. And so here we have this body mindless now. What do you mean mindless? 
Well, Philippians 2, 2 says this, fulfill my joy that you be like-minded, having the same love, being in unity. When we are not united, we're not of the same mind. Why does this happen, we may ask? Well, it's because many times we have forgotten that there are many body parts. Many. We assume that there's one mouth, the preacher, and everybody else is an ear. We forget that we are to find our place in the body of Christ. Now, sure, there are ears and there are mouths, but what about the rest of the body? You see, what happens is, over time, <clears throat> we, we end up with so many ears and so many mouths, but each mouth is saying something different. Each ear is listening to the different mouth. They go to this group over here, and they listen to the complaints about the knee, and about the foot, and about the hand, and about the arm, and they listen to all that stuff. They say, well, I'm had it enough with this place. I'm gone. So they start to bail, and they listen, and then they start to complain about some, to somebody else, and then we complain about other things. And the mouth is not doing what the mouth is supposed to do. You know what the mouth does for the body? It communicates. But there's something else that the mouth does. The mouth is supposed to take in food and nourish the rest of the body. If the mouth is too busy, have you ever eaten with somebody who just talks with their mouth full and you watch the food just go everywhere? You want to just hand them a bib and say, go to the kitty table. You see, that's the problem. And all these different ears. But the whole time, there's no knee. There's no hand. There's no foot. There's no arm. But we got a lot of ears, don't we? If you ran into this individual at the mall today, would you shake their hand? And we wonder why people don't want to go to church. It's because that's the church that they have seen. I've had people tell me, I don't want to go to church. Breaks my heart. Breaks my heart. So how do we develop this type of a church? Well, let's take a look at just the three things and I'm going to wrap up. Y'all can put your shoes on now. Wake your neighbor up. <clears throat> First, let's unite. Now, I am pleased, honored, and excited to be able to say I don't see a lot of disjointedness in our body. I love our church. I love our church. I don't see feet storming off. I don't see knees getting away and trying to distance themselves. I love that. I'm thankful for that. I praise God for that in this church. But you may be sitting there, and when I was talking about a hand being missing or a hand being there but an arm not being there, some things may have come to your mind. You know what? Yeah, there's something that we're missing here at LBC. Well, let's unite together in the pursuit of filling every part of the body of Christ here at Liberty Bible Church. 
Can we come together on that one? Let's get excited. 2022. Ready? 2020. That was bad. Okay. So 2022, we're going to get excited about filling those missing parts of the body. You may be going, well, I know an area that we're missing, but I can't do that. You might know someone who can and needs just that nudge to do it. Now, don't go down to the first church of the Frozen Chosen and steal somebody else's church members. Okay? <laughs> let's start here, and let's start with people who don't have a church. All right? Second, everyone who calls Liberty Bible Church their home has a part. Have you found yours? Yeah, preacher, I'm the backside. I sit. (laughs) We'll just let that one die right there. Third, quit looking at your inadequacies and see his ability to use you in spite of you. All right, God, God touched your heart with something with a need. And it may be an area of ministry that you and you alone have the ability to accomplish here. Get on it. See, perhaps the problem is that you have not made, you, you've not joined the body. You're not, it's, you know, you, you like to attend all the family gatherings, but you don't want to be part of the body. You're happy to lend a hand when the need arises, but you don't want to you don't want to get in all the way. You may be the missing hand. You may be the missing arm. And while the feet and the knees and the hips and the torso and the kidneys are all trying to get some things accomplished, they know they need you. What's holding you back? What's stopping you? Happy to support, but also happy to stay on the outside like a family friend, but not part of the family. I'm happy to be the crutch pastor, but I don't want to be that foot that's missing. It's time to get in and get involved. Here in February, we're going to start a new members class. I'm going to take some Wednesday nights here in February. If somebody's interested, wants to know, what does this church believe? What is, what is it to be a member? What is involved in that? Well, while Brother Jeff's teaching up there and we got the kids class going on, I'm going to be going over that. There's a sign-up sheet over here on this table. Make sure you know which sign-up sheet you're using. Praise God, we got 85 of them on that table. But if you're interested in it, sign up so I know how many people to plan for. Maybe you're interested in getting involved in something. You know what would be great? Is if we had greeters, not only at the doors, but in the parking lot, helping people know where to go. Talk to Herb. 
know what would be really neat is if Keegan and Allison didn't have to be up there every single Sunday. Maybe he'd like to sit next to his bride in the main auditorium, put his arm around her and listen to the message. Maybe some people that know how to push a button on a computer need to go up there and talk to him. Maybe Brother Jeff would like to not be the only one pouring coffee. Go talk to him. Maybe you think, well, I don't want to pour coffee, but I'll bring in scones. Bake him some scones. Maybe, <clears throat> I'll, I'll explain that later. Maybe you know how to turn a wrench or swing a hammer. Go talk to Sean. We got all kinds of jobs around here. Got all kinds of things need to be done. Maybe you know some members that need a little bit more member care. Maybe they, maybe they need someone sending them a note, giving them a phone call, going and seeing them. Go talk to Dale. He'll give you a list. He'll get you started on it. Maybe there's a certain ministry area that you feel needs attention. Go see Dave. And here's the thing. When you go take those things to these men, don't do it expecting them to do it, but do it expecting them to give you the resources so that you can do it. And say, I want to be part of the body. I want to be involved. First step, though, is making sure that you know Him. All the service that you do means that much if you're not His. So before you go doing anything else, and that's why we have our new members classes, so that we can talk to you about those things. Before you do anything else, iron that out. Meet Him. Place Him on the throne of your heart and let Him be your God. Starts there. You have been listening to Andy Lake, Bible teacher with Grow in Liberty and pastor of Liberty Bible Church. We pray that you were challenged today and encourage you to share this message with your friends and family. If you were motivated in some way to grow in your walk with Christ, please drop us a line and reference the title of today's message. You can access us online at growinliberty.org. Email us at together at growinliberty.org or send us a letter to Liberty Bible Church, 2111 Sodom Hutchings Road, Vienna, Ohio, 44473. If you would like to support Grow in Liberty financially, you may also do that at growinliberty.org. Thank you so much for joining us today.